welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, getting in the best shape of their life, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more but they wouldn't have gotten to where they are today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of it all, all the getting started moments, and the lessons learned along the way. I'm truly grateful to have you listening in on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Carson Sweezy, who is a professional nourisher and founder of Sweets and Savories. Carson creates authentic communities by connecting people through food and entertainment. Crohn's disease forced him to think deeply about his life and his purpose at a young age. He has lived and worked on farms, on food trucks, and in restaurants. He accidentally completed a college degree and left the safe bet of a career in real estate behind, choosing instead to pursue his lifelong passion to cook for and nourish his community. Carson sees food as something more than physical ingredients. It's a vehicle used to feed our minds, bodies, and souls. So let's not waste any more time and get right into the episode. Please welcome in Carson Sweezy. Carson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me, Brian. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to catch up, man. I know we have some mutual connections. First time really chat. I guess we've chatted on Clubhouse before, but uh, <laughs> in terms of actually chatting here in person on a deeper conversation, um, I just really, you know, as I look to have guests on the on the podcast, and obviously been doing this over three years now, I look at all these different types of individuals I've gotten to meet, and your story seems really cool, just kind of what you're doing. I love food, by the way, so, um, you know, I, I kind of love eating, so <laughs> maybe that's partly why, but uh, I just love what you're doing and the passion you have behind it and, and what you're trying to do to connect people. So I wanted you to share that a little bit and learn more about your journey. I think it could help a lot of people, especially in the early stages of getting started with their idea. Um, and moving forward. Um, I wanted to start here. And, and again, just like many of these episodes, they go on some wild tangents. So we'll see what happens. But I saw something you wrote around kind of your education and, and finishing school, but accidentally completed a college degree and left your safe bet of a career in real estate behind. Let's start there. And what you mean by accidentally completed it how you got into that process and why ultimately you didn't go down that path and you found this one. Let's start there and then we'll go uh, in a few directions. Okay. I'll try to not make this a, a, as long and drawn out as it, as it probably is. Cause it's a maybe nine year process of getting this degree, but uh, to, to start in a fair place, I, I dropped out of college after my third semester and moved to a farm um, and then got into real estate a little bit and, the reasoning for that was I wanted to get out of my house and, and not live at home and mentioned it to my mom. I said, I want to pay you rent, right? I want to get out of my house. I want to get out of the house. I'm going to pay you rent. And that'll motivate me to move out on my own, right? And she said, don't, don't pay me. Save all that money and buy a house. So I started saving and working. And anyone who's gotten a mortgage knows you need a two-year mark to hit, to get a mortgage, right? They want to see consistency from your employer and from your income. So I had just hit my two year mark and my company collapsed. The company I was working for completely collapsed. No more money coming in. 
So I had to scramble to find a way to keep that mortgage uh, consistency going. So I called my guy and he said, you can either find another job in the same industry. And I didn't have a college degree. I just was working in this company, a family friend connection. And he said, or you can be a full-time student. So I signed up for a full slate of classes at the community college, just business classes, just things I knew I would be interested in and that wouldn't require, you know, a lot of stress and anxiety. So signed up for that. And then, yeah, that, that's, that was the accidental re-entrance into college. And then once I was in, I, I thought, I'll just, I'm not going to go back. You know, I'm not going to come back to this college thing if I leave again. So let's just knock it out and get it over with. Hmm. Why did you leave in the first place? You said after your, was it third semester or why, why, why in the first place? Like you obviously decided to go. What was the, what would, would you find out in those first few semesters that it wasn't for you? Well, I found out that I, I didn't really want to be there and I don't think I, you know, I decided to go. Yes, but I don't think I ever questioned that. You know, the area I grew up in, there were two options in high school. You either go to a four-year college or you go to a two-year college. That was all that was presented to you, unless you're, you know, going to the military, maybe it was the third option. There wasn't any other, <laughs> there wasn't trade school. There wasn't like, you know, year, year off gap year type thing. None of those things were presented. And I think just the groups I was in in high school, we didn't really question a lot of things. We just did what we thought was fun and, you know, what everyone else did. So I think after three semesters in, I just, it had started dawning on me and a lot of Netflix documentaries can change a young person's mind and open you up to how the world works in certain ways, whether or not those things are factual in the documentaries, they at least get you to start questioning stuff. So really it was a combination of that and uh, skipping a lot of classes and listening to free lectures on iTunes. And uh, really it came, it came from, the catalyst there was my roommate came in one day and he was like, dude, why are you paying for classes? You're skipping all your classes and you're taking these free Stanford and Harvard lectures on iTunes. Like, why are you even paying for this? And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. And then I <laughs> dropped out like a week later. <laughs> well, there's some motivation, I guess. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because that's something I've thought back a lot and obviously, you know, more, retrospective, I guess, maybe is the term to use of in high school, not, you know, coming from a small town, not having the knowledge, like, wait, there's all these angles and opportunities and different things you can do. You don't have to go through the path of, oh, I go to college, I get an entry level job. And then I kind of move my way up and basically just pining for retirement in 40 years kind of thing, you know, like that's, that's the way it's always been. So with this different thinking that you kind of start having, when did the idea of, because it seems like food and just kind of around cooking and baking, all that stuff has been a big part of your life, I think goes back to, you know, Crohn's disease, right? And maybe you can share a little bit about a journey as a kid and discovering that. That might be a good place maybe to stop. Let me pause there and then maybe we can go forward. Sure. So talking about food and cooking in general or Crohn's yeah, disease? Well, let's talk about the Crohn's disease first, because I think that's probably been a catalyst for you, right? In terms of reshaping your thinking around food and probably why you got, you discovered it more than others. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it, it so I've been cooking and kind of obsessed with food my whole life, but for a lot of years, it was like an entertaining thing. And just like, I think what a lot of cooks look at it is, is more of a craft, but then with Crohn's disease, it really forced me to look at it as this holistic healing tool that can provide wellness and nourishment in a number of different ways. So 
yeah, going through Crohn's, I don't know that I'd be pursuing food and that passion in the same way without having dealt with that. And what, what was the discovery? Like how young were you? And then what are, what were some practices that you learned about to kind of help with that condition? Um, so that you were more healthy than, than if you didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I was 20, I believe when I, when I was diagnosed, it was actually right around the time I dropped out of college, which it didn't really play into it, but it ended up kind of playing into my next step, which was, I wanted to learn where food came from me being obsessed with food my whole life and then being diagnosed with something that affects your GI tract. Naturally, I just thought, oh, food, I'll go figure this out, which is kind of contrary to what any health expert would say. They all just kind of force medicine to you and there's not really a lot of nutritional education around dealing with GI issues. But anyway, I, yeah, I, I, I started learning that this idea of healthy food is really quite different for everyone. Something like, roughage or a lot of green cruciferous vegetables, broccolis and cauliflowers and such are maybe not the healthiest for someone who has problems digesting food because of inflammation in their gut. So that, that was really kind of the first step of the process was learning, moving to the farm and then realizing, okay, all this food is great. I still need to kind of figure out what feels good and what feels right for my body though, right? What was, and, and go as deep as you want in this. I, I know just, you know, full disclosure, we're not giving medical advice here, right? This is all just yeah. conversational. Um, but uh, one of my goals actually this year was to learn more about gut health and the gut biome and all that stuff. So can you share, like, what did you have to do? Like, were, was it blood test? Was it, what, what did you do to discover these things were not good for your gut specifically? There, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ways people can do it. I think tests and, and such are have their place. For me, it was just trial and error and research and learning as much as I could on my own. The medical field, and I've talked to several doctors that have Crohn's and, and are dealing with different autoimmune diseases on their own, sort of. And they've all told me how little training any doctor gets in nutrition. There's, from what I've been told from a couple of doctors from Georgetown University, there's a total of one hour of lecture in your course of medical school that you get that's focused on nutrition. So there's not a whole lot there. And I think for me, it was just trial and error, learning, doing research on my own, reading books on my own, talking to people on my own and eating things on my own and figuring out what makes me, what, what kind of fuels me and what might draw that energy away from me. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Well, and then obviously I'm assuming those discoveries have gone into your current business in terms of like how you're, what ingredients you put in trying to be insensitive to those things. I'm assuming, right. Is kind of how you start structuring what you found works for you, but maybe for other folks that would be healthier versus the average crap. Most, most things are, are put in food these days. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly the ingredients we use, you know, we don't use any like junk or any filler. Um, they're definitely indulgent cookies. I mean, they're, they're not like a health cookie. They're, they're a good, you know, grandma style cookie, but they're not uh, a store-bought with a bunch of weird processed ingredients you can't pronounce in that, in that thing. And yeah, that plays into, for me, I like to eat things that fuel me. And when I want to indulge, I want to indulge in something that is good and it's not going to just kind of knock me out for the rest of the day. I want to eat something that's really, that's really good. So not just like, you know, uh, 
necessarily like a health food type cookie. I want right. to eat something that I can indulge in, in a, <laughs> a moderate way, you know, versus eating two sleeves of Oreos. Yeah, that's that's fair. Well, into it in that way. Well, I want to circle back then a second, but I'm actually curious. I, I written a note down here as you were telling the earlier story about college and stuff. So you actually, so you went back, you finished, you got your college degree. What was the, you obviously decided not to go down that path, right? At all in terms of real estate or anything like that. Was there pressure from family, from friends about, wait a minute, dude, you just finished. You put a lot of time in. Why are you? not going down that path. I'm, I'm curious because I know a lot of folks, I know myself personally, these people that we surround ourselves with sometimes have good intentions, but yet it's to be safe and make sure you're secure versus leading to that life of passion fulfillment. So can you share that a little bit of, of what you went through? Yeah, certainly. I, my family's always been very supportive of any pursuit and any thing I've done when I dropped out of college, when I moved to a farm, when I first got into real estate and started selling without, you know, any education or anything. And, and then also when I decided to stop doing real estate and got into food and, and similarly friends have been insanely supportive too. You know, as soon as I dropped the real estate game, everyone was like, oh, like, finally, you finally are doing food. It took you long enough kind of thing and tried to find ways to support that growth. And, asking me can you you know create recipes for me for my restaurant or can you help me with figuring out grocery shopping and like building a foundation I think the pressure was mostly from me and and knowing what I kind of wanted in the grand scheme of things and that's Mm -hmm. a large part of why I got into real estate it's such a great wealth building tool but at some point I, I wasn't quite motivated by it or interested in it anymore there wasn't that drive to keep pursuing that and that's ultimately when I decided to shift gears just from that. Mm-hmm. So how does this idea start with the, now, well now, by the way, with what you're doing now with the, um, uh, the business here, and I want to get the name exactly correct, right? It's sweets and savories. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's with Z's at the end, just for anyone listening in. Um, is this the first idea that wait the current iteration as it is now, or did it start as something different and you pivoted transition to what you're doing now? It's, it's been way less clean. It's, it's been a gradual process. I would say more, even more so even than pivoting or um, having any real clear defined business plan. It's been, I think, one of the challenges with me that I, that I faced with food was it's such a vast empire. Everyone eats and there's a million ways to create a service or a product within mm-hmm. the food space and create nourishment for people. And one of the challenges I faced was what do you want to do? You can do anything. You can create YouTube videos, you can create a product, you can work in a restaurant, you can start a food, like, you know, there's endless routes. So yeah, it's been less of a pivoting and more of a just, snowballing of keep trying things just go downhill and you know keep keep going just keep using that momentum to get to the next level or the next point in the race yeah how have you found this is something i know is comes up a lot in this podcast but because you have all these ideas and you want to do you know we want to do everything but there's only so much time in the day how do you stay focused or i guess the first question is do you stay focused (laughs) and if you do how do you stay focused and what are some of the practices you put in place to kind of choose this is a direction versus that direction? 
That's a great question. And it's something that Rich Keller, our mutual friend, have him and I have worked a lot on this and he's been really helpful in, in helping me focus. <laughs> One of the things though is, is the product that we're doing right now. It, it, that's helped me focus tremendously versus, okay, you can do workshops, you can do caterings, you can do all these different things. When we, when we started offering our, our signature batch cookies, that simple product allowed for so much more creativity outside of it. So I'll try to make this a bit more formulaic, but with, when the product is so simple as a cookie, the recipe is the same, the bake time's the same, the flavor is the same. The only thing that changes really is the volume. How many are you going to make? With that kind of focus on that, this extra creative energy can go towards launching fun events to bring people together, which has been virtual right now, or fun marketing ideas or other ways of kind of exuding that creative energy that are not necessarily unfocused, but they tie back to that focused product. So for me, it's just focusing on that one thing has been really helpful. And that's where I kind of drive the focus. And then when I want to do something new or if something new is presented, it's how, how does this tie into the cookies? How can I make this tie in somehow, some way, or what value does it provide to other people beyond the cookies maybe? So that's mm -hmm. been really helpful for me in finding that focus is focusing on the one product. How, because obviously you're shipping a, you know, something that's perishable. I don't know how long the cookies would last for. What's the shelf life generally? Seven to 10 days on shelf life. And if you freeze them up to three months. Okay. So how do you manage that? And this is more just curiosity. Um, I guess that this could help folks that are getting started with whatever, just to think through process, but like you're baking them yourself now. So two parts to this. The first one is like, how do you know when to scale to go outside, like you making it versus maybe getting a, I guess it would be like a co-packer or, or a, a commercial kitchen, something like that. Mm -hmm. At what point, what's that tipping point for you, I guess? Yeah, for me, it's, it's more about sustained sales and to some extent, I mean, we'll have to, we'll have to eventually tip over before I think we're at the complete point of what we might call sustainability, but you know, okay. the holiday season, insane, tons of, tons of orders. How do you kind of compare that to maybe January, which might be a slower month because it's right after the holidays and people might be on diets and they just ordered a bunch of cookies or made them themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's still, I mean, you know, we're four and a half, five months old at this point. It's still a formula that I'm trying to figure out. And it's probably the most pressing thing I'm trying to work through while also just bringing out new flavors. But yeah, I'd love to <laughs> circle back when I really find that, that answer out. It's, um, it's, a, it's a tough question because the commercial kitchens are no joke. I think that would be the route. Co-packers, not so much for us right now, but yeah, how do you how do you justify twelve fifty a month in rent? You know, when you're, you know, how much can you afford to pay that versus your revenue? Well, yeah, because that's always because I have some friends that you know have done some side businesses or done some different types from around baking and cooking and stuff. And I, the question I always ask, like, yeah, at what point do you just cannot like physically cannot do it yourself in in your kitchen or whatever? You know, like when do you have to either get help? Or, and you may have some help, right? But how do you get that additional, that more of the commercial side of it, I guess, is what I was thinking, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've, we've definitely hired help. I mean, I can't, cannot do this alone at this point. Um, but 
yeah, the commercial thing, it'll, it'll come in the next couple of months is really when we're looking to do it. I think by certainly by the end of Q2, if not Q3, we'll, we'll try to make a move into something of this mm-hmm. year, 2021. So yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you, but, uh, you know, maybe ask my finance partner, who's my mom, <laughs> she can help <laughs> us work through it. I, I try to focus on, this is kind of the funny thing too, because it's helped me realize how much I really do like building the community and, and that part of it and focusing on the product and focusing on fun and creative things and how the other things are, you know, there's always something we kind of have to do for our businesses or our pursuits that might not be aligned with our strengths. And so how can we find support for those things? <laughs> that's a, I mean, that, that's actually a really good point because we, we feel like we want to do everything and bootstrap it the whole way. And, and kind of put all the pressure on us to do finances and taxes and building the product and marketing stuff. When, did, I guess, did you realize that early on that, Hey, I got to get some help, even if it is mom, right. You know, did you realize like, I'm not good at this or I don't like doing it. I'm willing to um, have someone else do it or pay someone else to do it in order to free me up to do the stuff I really like to do. Yeah. I mean, pretty much from, from the gate, I just, you know, part of it was a volume thing. I can't handle 50 dozen orders um, or orders for 50 dozen cookies all on my own in a week. And part of it's, yeah, just what, what, what is it that I actually want to do? I don't want to create something for myself that I don't want to do. What's different from that between that and doing something, another career that I, you know, might not be aligned with my passion. So I think that's certainly it. Um, Yeah. Just finding what really fuels me and what I can bring to the table and what other people might be able to help with. Hmm. Random question here. The, uh, the shipping and delivery, because obviously again, perishable product, you're shipping them all over the, the country. I don't know if you're going world or not yet, but you know, just, just kidding. There you go. Um, but like, yeah, how does the shipping work for that product? Like, have you, have you been able to find like as a certain size, there's different costs to it? Like, how does that all work? Cause that's, that intrigues me a lot. Oh man, that's, that's been such a crazy thing. Cause really we launched this product. Honestly, it was on a whim. I just, I'd made this one dough, this pumpkin chocolate chip cookie dough back in the fall. I made it three times in one weekend because friends kept asking for it. I made it once and friends and other friends said, Hey, can you make that again? I, I want, I want those. I didn't get them. And my sister asks, you know, Oh, can you make them for me too? I didn't really get to try them either. So then I just randomly put it up on my website and started selling them without any research into how do I fulfill these orders, you know, and how do I, uh, how do I create, <laughs> how do I create a system of fulfilling these orders? Right. So yeah, the, sorry to get back to the shipping, the it's, it's completely formulaic. I mean, the post office has a formula behind this UPS has a formula behind this. It's, it's dependent on weight and size of the box. So yeah, I mean, we've iterated our, our boxing, four and packaging four times now at this point and we're looking to another iteration just to optimize for not only price of shipping but also optimizing for keeping the cookies fresh and perish right like how can we ship these so that they stay as fresh as possible when they ship are you looking at more details about that too but that's (laughs) that's that's the base of it are you looking to get, um, I mean, obviously you're doing more just on demand, right. In terms of on your website, are you doing any local to like local to shops in the area you're in or anything like that? Like, are you going retail or is that not a plan or it's a good question? I, it's something I've looked into. Um, that's another thing that 
as we scale and, and grow, it's something we can look into more. What I've noticed is from some of my uh, exploits and trying to get these into stores is they need such a crazy margin on these, you know, they need basically a 50% margin. So if I'm selling cookies online for 30 bucks, they need to buy them for 15 so they can sell them for 30 bucks. So it hasn't made sense for us yet. I mean, we can just sell more online. Um, it's something I'd love to do. Really what we're focusing on though is B2B sales. It's to me, it's more interesting as a as the field or pursuit or whatever you want to call it, product line or offering or sales channel whatever you want to call it brian you're the sales guy you probably know the correct term for it but yeah those b2b sales are really fun for me and that's really how we've been able to sustain the business and grow the business and it's been more interesting to me as a creative person than trying to put it on the shelves with a bunch of other retail products at this point. I, I, I mean, I agree. And, and maybe this is just from watching Shark Tank for so many years, you know, like beating up people going into wholesale and how much the retail business is, is my, if you can go direct to consumer, um, mine as well. I mean, I, I think that's the best way to go. And you have control over everything, you know, you control what you want to do. Yeah. It's a brutal industry. I've been to the natural expo products mm-hmm. conference out in Baltimore. I mean, it's like every, product in the world is there every food product and you know you you learn a lot about the trials and tribulations that go into a food business and that are baked into the whole system of yeah wholesaling and finding suppliers and vendors and getting them in the grocery store and it's it's a crazy competitive world and also just lots of expenses and pressure and yeah it's it's uh it's crazy you know we're not i'm not ruling that out as a thing but you know i'm i'm just focused on really just getting the cookies into people's mouths right now. And how can we nourish people and yeah, just keep having fun with it. What's she said about four and a half, five months doing this. What's been the biggest hurdle from start to, to where you're at now, right. Um, that you've seen at least. That's a great question beyond the shipping and logistics, which has been uh, certainly a challenge. I think at first that focus was really tough and it took me a couple of months to really go all in with the cookies. I was doing catering still and things that I still really enjoy doing, but that took away from something that worked well. And also I enjoyed doing, and just that division of not only my time and energy, but my mind too. Right. That I think that was such a, such a hurdle to get over that was a good hurdle to go over. How can I really focus my mind and like how my mind is thinking about things and that, you know, you can like zoom out or zoom into that as far as you can, as far as you want. But that is the most crucial thing is focusing that, that mind and that energy. And it goes to the product and the marketing, but it also just goes to your own sense of grounding and feeling like you have support for yourself and you're following what, what the thing that I want to do is, you know? Mm, yeah. Is that something from like a personal development standpoint? Did you feel, did you have any anxiety starting this business, you know, kind of doing your own thing, getting outside that uh, maybe than you've done before? Or was it more just the, as you're saying, the focus and kind of putting the energy into one aspect where before you might've been dipping your toe in a few different areas? I think when it comes to sweets and savories and the cookie products we have, that was more about the focus than any kind of anxiety again because we i didn't plan it wasn't like a big launch there wasn't uh, much planning it was just oh let's see if anyone wants these i'll put on my website because friends keep asking for them 
certainly leaving real estate and getting into food, my food journey of trying to find out how and what to do within food, there was certainly a lot of development or personal development and anxiety and questioning and doubt and, and all sorts of things with that. And one in particular, you remember a story maybe that resonates in terms of some sort of obstacle you overcame with it or? Well, really, I mean, <laughs> so I had left real estate in August of 2019. And then for the next year, really, I just experimented and had no business. I mean, I had, you know, things I was doing, but not a real business, just one-off caterings and one-off partnerships and one-off, everything was one-off, um, one-off workshops. And around August, 2020, about a year later, I was, you know, I was broke. I had no, no clients signed up. I had no uh, projects that I was signed on to nothing really coming in and had to pay some bills. I started coaching tennis camps. I've never played tennis in my life, but I was coaching tennis camps for little kids. I was more of the conditioning guy with my football background and I was selling coffee at Seven Eleven. I was just, how can I just got to do something? And meanwhile, I was applying to jobs because I, I was like, how I can't sustain. I, I don't know. I don't know a route to go. You know, it's one thing when you have cookies, you can try to sell more cookies when that's the product. But when your product is, I can do caterings and I can do workshops and I can do whatever you want. That works for a little bit when friends are asking you, but how do you get beyond the friends asking you? How do you go find that business for yourself or even just focus it? And so I was ready to just get a job. I started applying to jobs at Spotify and TikTok and creative fields that seemed fun to me where I could help them build communities out. Mm -hmm. And then in that process, the cookies came out. It was honestly that just that bit of serendipity, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, but there was so much doubt in that period of, is this really the route I can do right now? Can I just go get a job somewhere and then figure out food stuff later and just cook on the weekends or whatever, you know? Well, and, and that's something too. I mean, I have to imagine everyone listening has been through this. I know I have a ton of times because you're sitting there. I can imagine you're filling out these resume, you know, putting the resumes and filling out these online applications. And at some point it's defeating. It's like, is this really what I'm going to do? You know, because I know you want to impact the world in a, in a, in a greater way. Um, I, I guess what, maybe it was the, the luck or the serendipity of, Hey, I'm making these cookies one day. And it's like, Hey, can you make more of them? But have you ever thought back, like, what would you have done? Would you have just gone work then for one of these companies? Or would you, do you think you would have figured it out if the cookies didn't come up, let's say at that time back in the fall? I think I would have been more likely to figure it out in some way than to go work for one of those companies. Um, I mean, maybe the third option is some random, you know, some friend would have just hired me to help them for a little bit. But I think because it had been a year of me just trying things. Um, and even with my applications, it was like, I was maybe stubborn even still thinking kind of strategically, like um, I'll go work for TikTok because I want to make food content. And so I'll learn the ins and outs of their algorithm and how to build communities and I'll network with all these influencers that'll help me. So it was still, even with that, it was like, how can I leverage my job to help with the food stuff? So with that history, I think I would have figured it out in some way. 
random aside here. I'm just kind of curious. So, or, you know, it's called just get started. Obviously it's a lot around business and ideas and stuff, but let's talk about cooking and baking for a minute. <laughs> Cause I'm a novice. I'm not good at all. All right. Uh, I, I kind of can somehow get in the zone at times, but if I'm starting, so let's just, just talk in, in generality, someone starting out cooking, baking in that realm, what are some of like the key two or three things to think about they need? Maybe it's ingredients they should always use. Anything you would share on that front? That's a great question. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, the, the most important thing I would say is have a plan. Like, a, like most things in life, right? It, it's helpful to have a plan with cooking, especially for so many reasons. So have a plan of what you're going to cook and how you're going to do it. The, there's a French term called mise en place and it's used throughout the entire restaurant industry. I don't know if you use this at all when you were, I know you were a cook when you were growing up at some point and scooping ice cream, but yeah. um, mise en place, you know, just everything in order is what that's, that means in English. That, it, that is the most crucial thing that any home cook or professional cook can have. That'll save you time, that'll save you money, that'll save you headache and stress and potentially not making something that you want to eat, just having a plan. And when I say plan, I mean, not just the ingredients and like a recipe, but like, at what point do you do what thing and you can get as detailed as you want with this, but just having that that note of execution. And that ties into organizing your ingredients. So you have them ready to go. So just as an example, this might be helpful. If you want to create a stir fry, instead of chopping up the vegetables while the chicken is cooking and then adding the vegetables one at a time as you chop them, it's preparing all of your proteins first, chopping all of your vegetables, getting your sauces out. And even, I mean, really mise en place would be like even measuring everything, mm -hmm. sauces and such, and then begin the cooking process. So it's all the prep up front and then begin the cooking process. And that'll save you so much time. It seems like you know, this is like such a hard thing, I think, too, in 2021, where there's just like, I think a lot of us have like an impending anxiety around any certain task where we just want to get it done and get it over with, right? I need to move on, I need to get this done. So it, it can be hard to set that time to plan, but it'll save you the time while you're cooking and during cleanup. So that's, the, that's one, that's a big thing. But that's really the one thing I would say, in terms of ingredients, and I have a, a free cookbook on my website that sort of goes into like the staples of a pantry and, and lays this out in a foundational way, which anyone can get. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll link it up in the, uh, in the show notes. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. That was, uh, that was actually my final project for college. And then I just kept editing it and put it out into, into a cookbook. So um, I, the pantry is a crucial thing. There's, there's a few ingredients that if you have pasta and or rice and some canned beans and even canned fish if you eat protein or if you eat uh, animal protein having those things on hand at all times you can make anything like if, if i have a box of pasta i can make anything right at the very least i'll have plain pasta with some salt <laughs> but depending on what else you have you can turn that into a million things so i would say planning and i mean that lays into this my second point of having a stock pantry planning as you cook but also planning before you cook and stocking that pantry and yeah, I could talk about this forever. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll stop there. But th those are no, two I, points, I would say. That's great. I'm sure anyone listening in 
is cooking food. So anything could be helpful. I'm always curious because I'm literally just straight salt and pepper. I'll use some like garlic powder every once in a while, some chili powder, stuff like that. Um, what are some, is there any like spice that you think is like really cool that maybe isn't kind of off the beaten path that might be something folks could try? You know, I'm big on fresh herbs are, are really my thing. And so I don't use a ton of um, spices in that sense, but I guess, I mean, cumin, I think cumin is pretty versatile. You can cook multiple cuisines with cumin seeds. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'll say about like powders and things, get them in the seed form because they'll last so much longer. If you buy, same thing with coffee, right? If you buy crown, ground coffee or ground powders, their shelf life is not going to be, it's not going to be as pungent after a few weeks even versus if you get whole coffee beans or whole cumin seeds or coriander seeds or whatever the spices you're working with and then grinding it up as you use it. So I think that's potentially a helpful thing for me. Chili flakes are, I always have chili flakes on hand and I add them to honestly pretty much everything I cook, just Mm. red chili flakes. Like you'd get at a pizzeria. Those are, that's it's for me, it's salt, pepper and chili flakes. Those are like my three, um, cooking seasonings that I'll just kind of throw in all the time. Is there, and then, so that, that's the kind of the seasonings on terms of an actual food. So you mentioned some of those pantry items. What about like, maybe it's fresh vegetables or fruits. Is there again, something that's, you know, like I'm big and I, I love avocado. Um, but it's like, is there anything you would coach people on to say, Hey, try to use this more nowadays because you know, it has some certain health benefits. Again, maybe it's something not the common that everyone thinks of avocado is a great one for sure. Um, yeah, for me, there's a, there's a few that I kind of always tend to have. I mean, lemons and limes are great to have on hand at all times. Those are somewhat common, but you can do a lot again, if you have some citrus on hand and I've talked about this before, but a lot of us tend to over salt things in ways that we might should use other flavor profiles instead. So acid is, is, it does kind of a similar thing on our tongue and I don't really know all of the science behind it, but I know the cooking behind it and different flavor profiles do different things. So I would say just having acid on hand in some way, whether it's uh, a rice wine vinegar or a red wine vinegar or lemon, just fresh lemons, you can do anything with those things on hand. Um, And that's more of like for seasoning in a way too, but to get back to your maybe back on track with the question and where you were going with it. Spinach to me is like the ultimate versatile ingredient because it'll, it'll add volume to your cooking. You can add it in cooked or after the fact, and it'll add volume in in either case. So, and it adds that, you know, the fiber and and just good green fresh vegetables that you need. So I love, I just have spinach on hand at all times and I'll throw it in soups just as much as I'll put it on a sandwich or in a wrap or just for a, you know, a salad base. Okay. This is a, that's good. That's good. Slight tangent, but again, I always go on random stuff. It's just curiosity. I have my head at the time. All right. Just one or two more questions. Um, now wait, you, you work with rich. Are you as nourisher your one word? What's your one word? That's my one word. Yeah. 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 So I want to ask this question and again, there's no right or wrong answer. It's, it's how you perceive it, but to become this nourisher, this, you know, this kind of the, the, your core kind of value, your being, 
what's been the biggest life learner for you? Life lesson, maybe, maybe it's a, a, a story, maybe it's something that you went through and experienced that ap- absolutely 100% impacted why you're a nourisher uh, versus all the other kind of small things that we, we can probably assume maybe. Is there anything particular that stands out of like, this is probably why this is a, at my core? Yeah, certainly. You know, I, I want to just nod to those small things real quick, though, because I would say my grandma, my mom and my and my sisters have really helped me drive that nurture aspect throughout my whole life. But, you know, our family always influences us in that way. And I, I don't want to not mention that. But really Crohn's disease and, and focusing on that, um, that ultimately has given me a much different perspective on food and cooking and what that means for our bodies mentally spiritually physically the way that food can nourish us in all those in all those elements you know it's not just about the nutrients it's about the love that you can share through food or the love that you give yourself when you cook for yourself so uh, without Crohn's and dealing with that I don't know that I would have started thinking about cooking and food in this more theoretical way that really is like so deeply profoundly spiritual for me Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine the impact. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, but just kind of like you have to think differently than other people that can just kind of eat whatever and just kind of go through life and they're not even thoughtful about it. Like you actually have to be, or it's going to obviously affect you in a negative way, right? So it's almost something that has to be thoughtful in your mind. Yeah. And I, I think just dealing with that, I, the healing, I think, um, like the cooking process really became so much part of the healing process. Um, you know, the food, certainly the nutrients, but yeah, just the cooking itself, like putting your labor and your time into something that you're going to then consume like that alone makes the food a healing tool or a healing vehicle. And it could be, you know, the same with maybe art or some other creative outlet where you're putting yourself into something, that energy, that focus and intent, that is where the healing comes from. Hmm. So your one year anniversary is going to come up on in the fall for this business, right? You're halfway about there. What are, what could we expect? Again, people listening in um, folks that have been following you that have bought the products, et cetera. What are you excited about the next five to six months with the business? Any, anything in particular you could share of some things that you're looking, looking forward to? Oh, yeah. So yeah, tons of things, uh, or a few main things, really. But it just, you know, it's like, it feels like tons, because it's so energizing to me. The, I mean, first, first of all, just launching new cookie flavors. I'm so excited. We're launching a new flavor right now that I'm pumped about. And we'll launch between three and five new flavors this year, in addition to the three we already had. So that that's really exciting to me, just getting new cookies out there, new fun things. And with those, one of our goals is to is to create and nourish 50,000 cookies. <laughs> so mm-hmm. nourish people through 50,000 cookies and feed 50,000 cookies to people. That's one of our goals for 2021. And, you know, we're in a contest right now called Favorite Chef to help fulfill that 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 goal. And, you know, if we win the contest, that'll help us open the commercial kitchen and just continue on our, on our mission to help get food out there and, and feeding people. So yeah, those those three things, the the new cookie flavors and and feeding 50,000 cookies into into people's mouths and three the favorite chef, those are 
what I'm immediately excited about and, and progressing towards yeah. September 17th when our one year anniversary is. Nice. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats on all that. I, I, here's what I want to end on is, uh, you know, I always like to go back to our younger selves and, and again, being able to look back and all the things we've learned over the years. Um, so you can go back to maybe that 20 year old that, you know, discovered Crohn's and you had some of that going on. It could go younger, your, your call. But if you were able to go back and kind of give a piece of advice back to the, the young, the, uh, the young Carson, if you will, um, what are you sharing? Um, what piece of really impactful advice would you give to that person to help them a little, a little further on their journey as they go forward? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I would go back to some point in high school and encourage myself to the language is hard here, right? Cause what do you tell like a 16 year old dude that's going to, that he's actually going to listen to, but encourage myself to be more conscious of my own thoughts and feelings and, and not be afraid of expressing those, especially the feelings part, right. To a 16 year old dude um, in like 2009 or whatever it was. But yeah, I, I think that would be the most helpful thing is to somehow encourage. And I would have to spend time honestly thinking about this messaging because that's so important, right? For like a younger kid. And maybe I'm thinking too deep into this question than what you that's asked. Fun. But You um, know, what's funny is uh, I had, uh, I don't know if you know Ben Bradbury or not, but uh, I had Ben on and he was, we were talking, I was like, you got to go back to your seven-year-old self or eight-year-old self. So it's like, you imagine dispelling a message, like how do you simplify it so much? So it, there's no right or wrong, but it's like, yeah, kind of thinking through that because that could be ultimately that one little piece could be so impactful um, to kind of just keep in the back of your mind or right up on your mirror, you know, to look at every day. So, yeah, I, I think it'd have to be something around like, you'll be cooler if you just focus on your stuff or something around, you know, that message that a 16 year old would hear, like, yeah. you know, girls will like you more if you, if you just <laughs> are like cool with yourself and like, aren't afraid to just be yourself, you know, something like that, where it's spoken in the, the message that would be receptive to a 16 year old that yeah. gets the point across, right? That's ultimately what would be helpful. Did, did you, and the reason you, are you giving that because did you have trouble, like, or did you keep a lot of stuff bottled up when you were in your teenage years and have a hard time expressing how you felt, what you wanted to do? Was that, a, was that a tough thing for you to do at that time? I think I was just a robot more than anything. I don't even know necessarily what was inside other than just kind of following the path and being uh, more or less stoic. And, you know, I wasn't like I was a robot on the outside. I was, you know, goofy and stuff, but just like owning it more would be the best way I would, I would describe it is just own that side of you and mm -hmm. don't kind of allow people teasing you or like your friends teasing you, you know, not just random people, but don't, don't, don't take their teasing to heart. That's just how people interact at that age. Yeah. Carson, man, this has been fun. Um, always good to do some random conversations and, and this is our first kind of deeper one. So it's, uh, it's fun to chat with you. Where can everyone find you online if they want to connect? What's the best way? Yeah. All the social platforms. I'm at Carson Sweezy. So Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, websites, carsonsweezy.com so yeah feel free to reach out on any of those and um you can text me too i have a community phone number that anyone can text and they'll send you some recipes if you want them or giveaways for cookies it's 
703-686-8501. So there's any of those ways. Happy to chat with all of you. Awesome. Really enjoyed it, man. Good luck to you going forward and uh, excited to keep in touch. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for having me on, Brian. This is awesome. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. Um, Happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me. I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.